If you're newer to Oceanside Church and you want to know more about us, well, you're going to hear a bit about that today. And I want to start by saying that we are a people that love Jesus. You've just heard us singing about it and you joined us in it. It's so good to worship him, isn't it? But we are a people that love Jesus and we are on mission to know Jesus and to make him known. We put it up here so there's no confusion for you. We gather for the sake of Jesus. We gather for his name that we would grow in our knowledge and understanding of him and that we would take what we know and share it with others. That is the mission of the church. That is what he's called us to. That is the vision. That is where we're going. And it's important. And I want to say that we are unapologetic and we are unashamed about it. And that's what God has called us to be as followers of Jesus. In John 14, 6, it says this. Jesus said it this way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. He did not say that I am a way, a truth, or a life. There is only one Jesus. There is only one name that is above every other name. And there is only one name seated on the throne in heaven, and his name is Jesus. So for us, we have settled, and I hope you have too, that there is no other way to salvation except through Jesus, that there is no other way that we could spend eternity with God except through Jesus. Some might say that we are an exclusive church, and I would argue, and I would say that we are inclusive, and as Christians, we are inclusive. Everyone is welcome. Jesus stands with open arms. Everyone is welcome. And the only thing that's as exclusive here is that there's just simply no other way to eternity in heaven except through Jesus. And that is it. And Jesus is central and will remain central to all that we do as followers of Jesus. He is never to be sidelined. He is not an extra. He's not just the door. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And all that we do must be centered around Jesus as our chief cornerstone. Amen? In Colossians 1.18, it says this, that he is the head of the church. He's the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, that in him everything, that in everything he might be preeminent. You see, if Jesus is missing as the head of the church, then the church is headless. And if the church has no head, then it's a, it's a corpse or a body, and it's void of life. And I know that might, that might seem silly, but I'm telling you that there is people around the world, there is religion that have removed Jesus as the head. We must never do that, friends, because we will be void of the life that God has for us. Jesus remains central. He remains head of this church, and he's the head of this church, Oceanside Church. Not man, Jesus. Without Jesus, we're wasting our time. We're just meeting together as a group of friends. And I love you all in this wonderful, but God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and eternity awaits us. And Jesus must remain central for us. It's all about him. Romans eleven thirty six in the ESV says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Everything is centered around Jesus, if you haven't heard that yet this morning. <laughs> and as followers of Jesus, we must keep it that way. And there's nothing more significant than living our lives in such a way that he remains central. So for us as a church body, if you want to know, well, who we are and what are we about? What does God have for us? I would say that number one 
It's to know Jesus and to make him known. Well, how are we going to do it? What's the mandate of the church? What's the purpose? It isn't just to gather together to drink nice coffees. That isn't the purpose of why we gather. Yes, it's to lift up his name in worship, but there is more. And I want to say that today that there's four things that we're going to highlight over this Sunday and next that we see as priorities for the church and priorities for us as followers of Jesus. And they are gathering, healing, training, and sending. You can see it over here also so you're not confused. It's going to be here for a while. We're not changing this. This has been since the beginning of the church. God has called us to be a people that gather, a people that see healing, a people that are trained, and a people that are sent. That's our mandate as a church. That's what he's called us to. So for today, I'm going to have some fun with you, and we are going to look at Jesus, and we are going to look at Jesus the gatherer and the healer. We're going to cover off two of those. Otherwise, you're going to be here till about 1130. So you don't want to be here that long. I appreciate. So next week, you're going to hear more. So let's look at the first. Jesus, the gatherer. We know that Jesus is on the biggest rescue mission that the world has ever seen. I like army movies. I love a solid rescue mission. But the biggest rescue mission that the world has ever seen is Jesus. He's on a rescue mission for his people. And he is bringing them back to personal and intimate relationship with the Father. He is a gatherer. Jesus was a gatherer from his early days, even as a boy in the temple courts. You can see as he gathered, he went in there and, and all of the teachers gathered around Jesus and they were asking questions and they were amazed at his teaching and what he had to say. From an early age, Jesus was a gatherer, even before his ministry started. He set an example for us. But Jesus was a gatherer and he is gathering all people. Every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. There is no segregation in Jesus. We are all one people. All of us. One. One race, the human race. And he's gathering us all from all of the dark places of the world to bring us in as family to those that would respond to him. We're all invited to spend eternity with Jesus and to join in this mission of gathering. He's called us to be gatherers. Let's look and see what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He's just been teaching on how he is the center of his father's plan. And he says in eleven twenty eight in the ESV, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we look at Jesus as an example, we see that he is gathering and he's gathering people to himself. Jesus is not gathering people to a moral way of living. He is not gathering people to a religious ideology. He is gathering people to a personal and intimate relationship with God the Father, our creator. That is what he's gathering us to, himself. He is the destination Jesus is the destination. It's not our comfort. It's not our convenience. The destination, the purpose of Jesus' coming was to draw man unto himself, that we might spend eternity with him in heaven. 
This is the rescue mission. It's a message, it's, it's a mission of reconciliation, of bringing people to right standing with God. And I love what it says when we read this scripture in Matthew. It says that when we come to him, we will find rest for our souls. Maybe it's just me, but I'm telling you that this last year and a half, I have needed rest for my soul. I have needed rest for my soul. And I have needed this reminder that when I come to Jesus, I find rest for my soul. I find rest in him. This past year hasn't been easy for many. But when we come to him, we find rest. So if you find yourself distant from Jesus, if you have been laboring in your own strength, if you have been heavily laden, like this says, if you have been carrying burdens, no matter what you're facing right now, there's an invitation to draw near to him. Jesus is still gathering us closer and closer to him. Draw near to him. I want to say, friends, you can trust him. He is good. He loves you and he has your best. He is a good father, amen? You know, I love how Jesus taught in parables and he used analogies and I think of such a helpful one for me in understanding this, that Jesus is a gatherer, is when he talks about himself as the good shepherd. He talks to him, so he talks about being a good shepherd and in John 10, and it starts in verse nine, he says, I am the door. So he's the only way in. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We know that shepherds gather. They protect they love, they nurture, you know, they, they bring people together. They bring sheep together. And this is the picture he's telling us, you know, a shepherd loves and cares for the sheep, but he also takes them to green pasture. He doesn't just leave us where we are. He takes us from one place to another. If he left us in the same place, it would no longer be green pasture. He takes us to new places. He takes us on mission. You know, and it's the same with Jesus. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. But it's not a permanent vacation. When we come to Jesus, how many of you figured that out already? That when we come to Jesus, it's not a permanent vacation. He doesn't say, come to me and all your troubles will go away. Has that happened to any of you? No hands are up. Strange. He doesn't say, come to me, and I'm going to make your life super comfortable. Does that happen to any of you? Not really, hey? No, he doesn't say that, does he? But Jesus didn't die on the cross, right, for our comfort. He didn't die for us so we could come to him and almost like check into an all-inclusive. You ever stayed at one of those things? It's amazing. You know, everything's just kind of looked out. You don't even have to think about food. There's way more food than you can handle. And people just wait on you. It's amazing. But heaven's not like that. And Jesus isn't like that. When we come to him, it's not as if that everything's just going to be laid out and be easy. Right? In the context of our comfort and convenience. But look what he says, though, because there's some fabulous truth in his word. He teaches us. He says, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when we read this, it says, well, we come to him, we're going to find rest. But then it says that there's a yoke for us to put on. Maybe some of us have kind of plugged our ears when we heard that. There's a yoke. There's, there's, there's something that God has for us to do in him. There's something that we're to carry and to, and to hold. And I think maybe initially as we hear that, we kind of fret and we go, oh man, Jesus has a whole bunch of work for me to do. Oh, I just want to say this. Don't fret. Look at what he says. He says, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. So when we are drawn and gathered into that personal and intimate relationship with Jesus, yes, he has purpose for us. Yes, we yoke ourselves to him, but it is light and it is easy. And I just want to stop right there and say this, that if you are carrying things that don't fit that description, if what's happening in your world doesn't seem to fit that right now, I want to make two suggestions. Maybe, maybe firstly, you're carrying something you shouldn't be. Maybe you're carrying something you shouldn't be. Maybe you've picked up something that God hasn't asked you to carry. Because his word says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And maybe another thought for you to consider is that maybe you need to, maybe you're doing it wrong. Maybe you're carrying it wrong. You know that weight distribution matters. You know, when we do things in our own strength and effort, they're heavy. But when we do things and distribute the weight, which is what a yoke allows for, it gets easy and light. You know, for me personally, um, I, I'm taking up more hiking and backpacking at the moment. I'm, I'm enjoying hunting. I'm trying to wrap my head around how to do that well. But when you're carrying something and it's heavy, right? If you just carry it in your arms and you do it in your own brute strength, maybe you're strong like Luke here and you can just do that and you can run up the mountain and down the mountain, no problem. But if you're smart... You put on a nice backpack, you know, the one with the waist belt, you know, and the clip in the front and the shoulder straps, and you tighten it up. And when you distribute the weight, it becomes easy and it becomes light. But you're doing the same thing. And I don't know who those two things are for here today, but I trust that God is speaking to you. As I was reading through this, I just really felt strongly that that was the case. Maybe there's those of you that have been looking at your relationship with God and in your life and you feel like the load is heavy and it's not lining up with an easy yoke and, and a light burden. And I want to say, let's come to Jesus. Bring that thing to him and see what he says. Bring that thing to him and let him do what he can do. You see, Jesus is still gathering. He's still on a mission to draw people to himself. And he's doing it. And the word teaches us that we're to gather to him. And we're also to gather others to him. Not just to come to church. I know I think sometimes we think that the best thing we can do for the people around us that don't know Jesus is just invite them to church. And I appreciate the heart. And it is good to invite them. But let me help you that the church without Jesus isn't going to help. People need Jesus. That's why we're passionate about Jesus and hopefully people hear about Jesus when they come. But that is what they need. People don't need programs, they need Jesus. And we're called to gather people to Jesus. You know, it says in Matthew 12, 30, whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. God wants us to gather, 
not scatter. That's his intention, that we would be gathered to him. And to gather means to come together, to assemble or to convene. And since for us, um, the moment of Jesus's ministry started, we can see that that was his heart. It was come and follow me, come and follow me. And the church gathering is his intention, that we would come together and lift his name up, not in just a building, not in a location, but you and I are that church. And as we gather and we focus on Jesus, he can move. Amen. We see in scripture in Acts 5.42, you would see that the church gathered not just like this corporately, which is amazing because we haven't done it for so long, but the church also gathered home to home. And that's a priority for us. The gathering happens not just on a Sunday, but it also happens in our small groups. We call them connect groups throughout the weeks. So I hope and trust that you see the value in that and you find a way to plug in. Because friends, God doesn't have a plan B. His plan A is the church. His intent to see the lost come to know him is through the church. It's through you and I gathered. As we gather and as we gather others to Jesus, it's our responsibility to gather. And not just for the sake of enjoying each other's company, right? It's to get on with the purposes and the mission that God has for us. You're going to hear more about that next week as Andy shares the word. In James 4.8, it says, draw near to me and he, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, there's this constant invitation for us to draw closer to God. Have you ever drawn closer to God and felt like, man, I feel like I can get closer and I feel like I can get closer. And then as you draw close, God draws close to you. There's this incredible picture and a friend of mine got me digging a bit, looking on it. Um, looking at it, you see, as we approach God, as we draw closer to him, the word says that he draws closer to us. And I was thinking about it in the context of a magnet. If you take a magnet close to another magnet, the closer you get it, eventually that magnet sucks in close, doesn't it? It's like that with Jesus. As we get close to him, there's a drawing, there's a pulling, and he pulls us into himself. This is how God works. There is a drawing. It's kind of like water. You've heard the term draw water. Now, we don't often talk like that. We can read about it. But I was thinking about drawing water and how that works because it's also a similar visual for us. You know, you know, around turkey time, you can get out that turkey baster and you got to get some of that juice and put it back on top of the turkey. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, well, that turkey baster, it uses suction, right? You, you put it in the liquid, and then you let it let go of the little ball in the end you've been squeezing, and the suction sucks the juice out. There's a drawing of that juice, right? It's just like that with Jesus. He draws us out from where we are as we come to him. But our first response must be to gather and to draw close to him. And I really felt to encourage you, friends, this is a time to draw close to Jesus. This is a time for us to gather. Amen? I better start my next point. The last thing that I'm going to touch on today is Jesus the, ga the gatherer, right? And now Jesus the healer. Jesus the healer, as he draws us and as he pulls us in close to himself, he doesn't leave us how we are. How many of you are so glad when Jesus saved you, he didn't leave you in the mess that you were in like the way you were? Let's see some hands. How many of you have had your lives changed by Jesus? All right. 
This is Jesus. Jesus was a healer. The word says that his name is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. The God who heals. And when we come to Jesus, we find healing. Emotional healing, physical healing, and spiritual healing. Not just physical, it's all. Jesus heals us and can heal us in every way. And his desire for us is to be whole, not broken. For us to be healed, not sick. This is the Jesus that we serve. In Isaiah 64, 8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our God. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. You see, we're made in his image, and we know that as a believer. And we're made with his hands. And I just keep thinking about when we come to Jesus, he actually wants to get his hands back on us. And it says that he is the potter and we're the clay. Well, what the potter does is shape and mold that pot. So if we come to him as that pot, as we come to him as that clay, if we come and we are rigid and we are stubborn and we are proud, the potter cannot work with us. He cannot work with us. So until those walls come down, friends, the potter cannot work on us. But his intent is to work on us. And the best news I can tell you right now, because I needed to hear this, is that God is patient. God is more patient than you are. He is patient. And he is that potter, and he's waiting for us to let him in as the healer. And he is waiting for us to let those walls come down so he can get his hands on us and so that he can do what only he can do. And I want to tell you right now that I really believe you know, when I was considering us gathered, that there's some of us right now that need to respond to that. There's some of us right now that need to let Jesus in and let Jesus work. So if that's you, I want to encourage you. He is speaking to you. He wants you to let him in. We believe that healing is for today. We believe in healing. We believe that Jesus didn't just heal in his time and the disciples in that time and then that was it. We believe that healing is for today. We believe in physical healing, absolutely. And we've seen it. We believe in emotional healing. Maybe that's trauma. Maybe that's fear. Maybe that's anxiety. Maybe that's depression. Maybe it's mental health. Maybe it's unforgiveness you need to work through. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's envy. Whatever it is in the space of emotional healing, guess what? Jesus is a healer, and he can do it. And don't let anybody tell you any different. That is the power of our God. What else? Well, there's spiritual healing. Maybe you've had some spiritual abuse in your life. If you're in the church, you certainly have recognized that people are not perfect. And people make mistakes. But God wants to bring healing in your life if you've had abuse in the spiritual space. Maybe it's just simply you've, you've had, had it wrong that has happened around you when it comes to your spiritual walk. You know, maybe there's been manipulation. Maybe there's abusive leadership. Whatever that thing is, it's not bigger than Jesus. He can heal. And God needs to restore those areas in our lives for him to work in us. Amen? And maybe it is physical healing. Maybe there is an ailment that, that we need Hell, uh, we need the healer to come and move and work in our lives. And that is our Jesus, friends. He does that. We need to look to him. What does it say in Matthew 9, 35? It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. No matter what it was, 
There was nothing left out here when he said everything. So whatever your thing is, oh, but it's this, or oh, but it's that. No, no, Jesus cover it all. As I was, as I was going through and looking at the scripture, I got a, I got a silly kid song stuck in my head. I'm not going to sing it for you, but you remember this song. My God is so big. My God is so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And then we as kids would always go around and go, for you, for you, and you, and, and we just wouldn't stop. We'd kind of go until we were told we were done. But the point of it is that God is so mighty. He is so powerful. And when we fixate on whatever these things are that are broken, we're missing where we should be putting our attention. And we're not making space for Jesus to work in power. We've got to lift our eyes to him, friends, because Jesus is the healer. Amen? You know, when we look at Jesus as the example, Jesus saw sickness as an opportunity for God to move. He saw it as an opportunity. You see, healing puts God's power on display for others to see. It points people to God. It points people to the Father. Jesus uses healing to draw people in. Imagine what our lives would look like and the lives of those around us would look like if we saw sickness, disease as the same opportunity. I know that's challenging, but the word tells us that we're followers of Jesus and that we're to take our lead from Jesus. And when we look at him, we see that he used healing as an opportunity for the father to be made known. And when Jesus looked at the people, he saw the people and he healed out of a place of love and compassion. He healed out of a place of love and compassion. In Matthew 9, 36, we just did 35 earlier, but 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Matthew 10, 1, it says that he called to him, his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every sickness and every affliction. This wasn't just for the disciples. This is for us. Let me show you that in John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, do you believe in Jesus today? All right, well, guess what? If you believe in Jesus today, then he's talking about you. You are qualified. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Okay. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Whoever asks in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. God has called us to be a people that see healing in our midst and in our lives. Right? And as a church, as Oceanside Church, we believe in healing. You might not know that. Maybe you're new to our community. But this is something that we see that's a core foundation for what God has called us to be as a followers of him and as a church body as we gather. We want to see people healed and restored. That's God's plan. That's his heart. There's a few things I want to say on this, though. That there is no formula for healing. I'm sorry. There's no guaranteed promise that if you do A, B, and C, it's always going to happen and D is coming. God is sovereign, and it doesn't work like that. There's no set prescription that God is going to move, empower, and heal every time we stand and pray in faith. 
But there are some truths in this for us that are important. No matter what, God has called us to be a people that believe for healing. That no matter what, he's called us to be a people of faith. And when we see healing throughout scripture, we know that there is a common denominator, and that is faith. Faith is a common denominator for healing. But you know what? When we look at that, even that isn't always the same. Sometimes it's our personal faith, as you read in scripture. Sometimes it's the faith of someone else. And sometimes it's just Jesus's faith when healing comes. You can see in scripture the personal faith when we read the story of the leper that gets healed, the woman with the issue of blood, the blind man that he calls out. But Jesus also heals the dead. Where was their faith? They weren't alive, but Jesus raised the dead. So that was Jesus's faith. But then also, if you read through scripture, you see that the centurion comes to him and he says, Lord, my servant, my servant is sick. And then God heals the servant and Jesus heals the servant and he never even sees the servant and he heals based on the centurion's faith. So it can be personal faith, it can be other people's faith, and it can be Jesus's faith. The reality is, is that faith is part of the healing work of Jesus, that faith is an activator for the healing hand of God to move, right? But we don't get a set formula. You know, Jesus is not a healing, miracle-working vending machine. It's not like we can come to Jesus and say, I'm going to take my two faith coins, and I'm going to put them in, and then bang, healing comes. You know, 10 faith coins, and resurrection comes. It's not like that with Jesus. You know, often when we see in scripture where people demanded a sign from Jesus, he didn't do anything. You see, Jesus is sovereign and he will move how he chooses to move. But the thing for us that must remain is to believe in Jesus and to believe that he is the healer. And I don't have all the answers and I trust you. (laughs) I trust you are in a similar place where maybe you've prayed for healing and hoped for healing and it hasn't come. I know there's people here today that are hearing me going, but God didn't heal when I put out my faith. And I don't have a great answer and I certainly am not gonna tell you it wasn't your faith. The only answer I'm going to say is that we still believe in healing, that Jesus is still a miracle working God, and that no matter what happens in the natural, we are going to put our faith in Jesus, the healer, no matter what the outcome. And I guarantee one thing that when we get to heaven, it'll all make sense. And it might not right now, but it must stand the same that we remain faithful and trusting that he is the healer. And it will remain a mystery. I want to invite the worship team back up. We believe that healing is for today. And I I mean that. I mean that literally. Healing is for today. And when we look at the scripture in James 5, 14, it says this. If anyone among you is sick, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, it goes on and says that he will be forgiven. We believe in healing. We believe that healing is for today, that Jesus set an example for us and that Jesus was a healer. And if Jesus did it, as we read, Jesus said, greater things than these you will do. And I'm going to ask the worship team to play. And as we finish up today, and I know we've run maybe a few minutes longer, but I, I just, we can't just move on from here without making space. 
as you're hearing these words and you hear about Jesus the gatherer and Jesus the healer, if you're someone here today that wants prayer, if you're someone here that wants someone to stand with you and to pray for healing, we believe in a God that heals. And Jesus is almighty and all powerful. And we are gonna put our faith and our trust in him that he will move in your life. I'm gonna ask that we stand, that we focus our attention on Jesus. And if that's you, we wanna make opportunity. And if you're comfortable, I wanna invite you up front and we wanna pray with you. We'll do our best to keep some distance, but we wanna pray with you. The word says that we can respond to Jesus. Amen. I wanna pray and then if that's you, don't wait. These guys are just gonna play in the background. We're gonna focus our attention on Jesus. Maybe you're not coming up front, but maybe where you are, just join us in prayer. Just join us where you are and focusing on Jesus, the healer. The word says that God hears our prayers. Let's focus on him and we'll respond as we pray for those that come up. Amen. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for who you are, Jesus. Thank you that you brought us into this kingdom of light. And that means, God, that we can see your plans and purposes. We can see where you're taking us. And we might not see the end destination, but we know we see you and we can trust you and you are good and you are for us. And we want to draw close. I thank you, Jesus, that you're not leaving people where they are, that you are the healer, that you want to move in people's lives and you want to see them healed and restored. So we just invite you even now, Jesus. We know you're here. We know you're in the room. We step out in faith and we invite you to come and to heal. Come and move.